Hello and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fan. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fan. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen and amen. Thank you and for participating in worshiping the King of Kings. If you have your Bible, we're going to continue in worshiping him now through the preaching of his word. And I want to invite you to the book of 2 Peter. Would you join me through there? 2 Peter. Will you all smile at me one time? You all seem like you might have had a tough day today, and I'm glad that you're here. And uh, I want you to smile at me every once in a while, and I'll smile at you every once in a while, and we'll make a deal with each other that way, all right? Second Peter chapter 1, last Wednesday night, I believe it was, we looked at verses 1 through 4. Any of y'all can think back that far? Anybody? Uh, no, not a soul. I think Miss Cheryl's the only one that nodded her head. And so me and Miss Cheryl remember what was in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And I hope the rest of y'all read that real quick while you're getting your Bible out, and it'll freshen your mind up, all right, a little bit about the second letter that Peter wrote to a people who had been facing persecution. And we talked about the first letter being about the threat from outside of the church. Remember, um, the fact of the matter was that the people of uh, the, the day and the time and the culture, uh, not they hated the Christians. And really specifically in that context, because of the fires and the destruction that happened and how that was blamed on them, okay? Uh, now we're moving into a, a, a letter that's written more about the threat within the church and, and false teaching. And so I want to just uh, preface that by saying this. Be careful to what voices you allow to speak into your life. Uh, Be careful what teachers call themselves teachers or people that call themselves preachers and what have you. Uh, Be careful who you let speak into your life. In other words, have an informed relationship with the Lord, making sure that you're spending time in the Word and in time in prayer. And so tonight we're going to build on that, and I'm going to just sort of, some of y'all are going to be some messed up. Uh, You ever heard the phrase messed up as a soup sandwich? You ever heard that? Some of y'all are going to be as messed. Think about that for a minute now. Pour soup on two pieces of bread and try to eat it. Watch what happens. It's messed up. And uh, some of y'all are going to be messed up as a soup sandwich tonight. As I uh, contemplate and help to bring forth what Peter is saying to the people here about their responsibility to the amazing grace of God. Now, my question for you is, uh, and don't answer it out loud. I want you to just ponder it for a moment. Do you, in fact, do I, in fact, have responsibility uh, to, in, in responding to the amazing grace of God. Uh, in other words, I want you to think for a minute about this battle that seems to uh, continue to rage on, has for centuries, and that is in predestination and God's election and, and the sovereignty of God versus, versus uh, most of the time, uh, human responsibility. And what I mean, some of you are like, what are you talking about? Uh, there are many who believe in the sovereignty of God in such a way that God chooses some for heaven and some for hell. I do not believe that way, and I believe if you would ever want to take the time to sit down with me, I believe I could explain it to you a number of ways from Genesis to Revelation that God has always given man from the very beginning in the garden with a tree uh, a, a decision to make based on his sovereign power and will and love and mercy and grace, all right? Now, um, is God's sovereignty responsible for salvation? Yes. Uh, Does the sovereignty of God purchase us? Yes. Does the sovereignty of God reveal Jesus to us? Yes. Does the sovereignty of God and the agent of his Holy Spirit bring conviction in our lives that will soften our heart for salvation? Yes. But there comes a moment with all the sovereign activity of God, the activity of God, uh, that you and I are responsible to respond. Now, some would tell you that you have no power to respond or not. They would tell you that uh, grace is irresistible. It's part of the five points of Calvinism, uh, referred to as an acrostic tulip. And they would say the I in tulip is irresistible grace, which I refute and can do that a bunch of different ways. And what I want to share with you is here I believe we see one of the most wonderful passages that deal with the sovereignty of God. Uh, and then the next verse is what we'll look at today or tonight as the responsibility of man. All right? Everybody thoroughly confused? All right, so sovereignty of God, I say the Scripture very plainly teaches the sovereignty of God does all of that for salvation. You can't add anything to it or take anything away from it. But there comes a moment as the Spirit pursues, purchases, and brings conviction that you with human responsibility must respond by saying yes and surrender and invite Jesus to be Lord. Does that make sense to you? And I'm going to show you that in another way here tonight. Okay, so uh, why I ask you to reference in your mind what we looked at in verses 1 through 4. What was found in verses 1 through 4? This heavy weight about the promises of God 
and the effects of the promises of God in the life of the believer. Do you remember that? No, y'all just aren't going to participate with me tonight. I'm just going to sit down. Now, now, let me ask you again. How many of you would say that you remember that we talked about, go ahead and read, it's just four verses. It won't take you long. Uh, We talked about uh, the fact that God has provided for us in his precious promises, uh, exceedingly great and precious. Somebody remembering anything from last Wednesday night? And uh, so this is why you need to review your notes and why you spend a little more time in them because if we're not careful, it'll be like seed that gets dropped on the wayside and the birds scape it up and you don't learn anything from it. So... Uh, The sovereignty of God and salvation, the promises of God. Now, we said that part of those promises were the promises of God to uh, provide salvation for man. He made it way back in the book of Genesis, and he carried it out in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So through those precious promises of God, the promise of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, So many different promises. He has provided for us everything we need for godliness and salvation, okay? Does that make sense to you? Give me a head nod. Y'all got to participate. We're never going to get out of here tonight. All right. So that makes sense. That is what I'm going to refer to as the sovereignty of God. Do you understand it? God did all of that, every bit of that. But now, very interestingly enough, Peter's going to speak about what is our responsibility as humans, as believers, in our part of responding to the grace of God. Is anybody kind of tracking with me at least a little bit? All right, here we go. So tonight I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we read, beginning in verse number, does anybody know? Five, and going down through verse number 11. Verses 5 and on down through verse number 11. Quickly, uh, well, I'll ask you this when you sit down. If you did not get a copy of our, our prayer list, I'll make sure that you get one. But we'll do that when we sit down, okay? So put your eyes with me. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse number 5. But also, for this very reason, what's the reason? The promises of God have provided everything we need, okay? Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. But wait a minute, I thought it was all, God did it. I thought we didn't have any part in it. Okay. Anybody with me? All right. I see you're getting inquisitive. I see eyebrows out there raising. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Somebody help me. Virtue. To virtue, add knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, add perseverance. To perseverance, add godliness. To godliness, add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, add love. Well, that's a lot of adding. That's why I said be diligent. It's going to take a lot of energy and effort. All right? Now, verse number 8. For if these things are yours and they abound, that word abound means to continue to grow in excess, okay? Um, If they continue to abound, you will be neither barren. Now, that word barren means not without child. That word barren literally means useless, okay? So he says, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge. We're going back to that knowledge of Jesus. You see that? Remember that word knowledge there is a root, is a form, a root form of gnosko, which, to, which means to know by experience, okay? So you'll be neither useless nor unfruitful in the experiential knowledge, relationship knowledge of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even not just a little bit like needs glasses, but to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election. What in the world? Is he saying i got to work for my salvation? I don't know. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Anybody a little confused? All right. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Oh, so if I do those things, I'll never, ever sin. All right, hang on. Some of y'all looking like, man, this is jacking me up. That's why I've been studying it for about two and a half weeks. Uh, so just hang on. Verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you. Oh, so then I, the, if I do all those things, I'm not only going uh, to be sure that I'm saved, but, I, but if I do that, an entrance is going to be made for me. What? Okay, verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly unto the, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, mercy, we've got some things to unpack tonight, don't we? Anybody, anybody a little bit confused, a little inquisitive as to what's going on? Raise your hand. Uh, here, it kind of goes against some of the things that you've heard, right? And been taught, good, good, good. We're going to learn that together tonight, okay? So bow your head with me for just a moment. Let's ask God for help. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you tonight for the opportunity to preach your word. And Lord, I thank you, oh God, that you and I have spent such time together over these last weeks looking at this passage. And I've begged you, don't let me present this to your people wrong. So tonight I pray. Uh, as humbly as I know how, God, would you overwhelm me with the gift that you've given me, the gift to preach and explain your word. And, Father, do it in such a way that it's evident it's the Holy Spirit 
who's preaching tonight and not the eloquence and wonderful design of mankind. And Father, as you do that, encourage somebody in this room that they still have eternal purpose no matter who they are or what they have done. If you can use me, God, you can use anybody. And Lord, as you do that, would you also preach to me and help me to see that you don't want me to be lazy in my faith. And I pray we'd all leave out of here with that encouraging word. So help us to listen. Cause us to sit on the front edge of our seat. And Lord, as we've asked you many times, let it be like a father dealing with his children one-on-one. Speak to our hearts. We're listening. In Jesus' name we pray. The people of God said, amen. Y'all, I'm looking around this house on a Wednesday night, and it's approaching summertime, and look at how many folk are out here in the middle of nowhere. And I hope that you came for the purpose of worshiping the Lord and learning more about his word. Now, if you didn't get a copy of our outline, will you raise your hand? We want to make sure we put one of those in your hand. Raise your hand up high so they can see it. We got one right up here and one in the back corner and one. So let's say we got about three on this side, on this far neighborhood over here to my right, all right? Anybody over here to hand an outline out? Okay, yes. Uh, here we go. Hold you. Keep, keep your hands up. There we go. Got a couple more right there. Just, all right, just keep them held up, and they'll get them to you just as quickly as they can. Right back in the far back corner. All right, I'll try next week and have some guys positioned around all over so we can make that happen. Thank you all for passing those out, and thank you for uh, getting them in the hands of our people. And uh, you guys liking the outline still okay on Wednesday nights? Because if y'all want me to, I'll, I will not do that if that's bothering you. I did have somebody say, I don't like these outlines, and I said, well, I love you anyway. And, uh, and, uh, and so y'all okay with them? Yes, all right, so let's dive in. Uh, y'all inquisitive and you're ready to go, and let's dive into this thing, okay? So, so the, remember, there's a question we're going to answer. The title of our message is a question we're going to answer, and the question is, what are we responsible for because of God's amazing grace? Uh, because we hear oftentimes, uh, my whole adult, excuse me, my whole childhood growing up in the church, I heard after every message was something I needed to do, something I wasn't doing, or something that I was doing that I wasn't supposed to be doing. Can anybody, amen, know if you know what I'm talking about? And every time I left, I felt like, man, all I heard the preacher say was, I got to stop doing this, I got to stop doing this, I got to stop doing this. And so I would leave out trying hard to stop doing that thing. And it never worked for me. Matter of fact, it was like heaping stones in a backpack on my back, and it was a burdensome. It was too much of a burden for me to bear. Can anybody testify to what I'm saying tonight? Anybody, amen? And so uh, uh, now then, so, so then when I began to really understand the Scripture to say is that I'm supposed to draw near, but now I'm afraid, listen, I'm afraid that we have interpreted draw near as laziness. In other words, if I just lay on the couch, then he's going to come meet with me, and I'll just pray every once in a while, and everything, he'll do everything, and it'll all be his, and it'll, and it'll be wonderful, and come on, somebody, uh, don't we have a tendency to get a little lazy in our faith? And uh, for the life of me, I can't understand why you and I will neglect and, and, and be lazy about the thing, the relationship, the thing that really has the power to transform our lives. And that is relationship with King Jesus, all right? So the main idea of the passage, it's written there for you, right? Read it with me, all right? Followers of Christ have responsibility to grow in the faith. He never intended for your faith to be a, a pray this prayer after me and that be the finish line. That was a beginning point. Somebody amen if you're tracking with me. Uh, and I'm afraid some of us look at our lives and we wonder why they are void of the supernatural power of God to deliver us from sin that so easily ensnares us, uh, the, the reason that we don't love people like we, we hear we should, why we have to sort of pretend that we want to read our Bibles and, and why it seems sometimes like such an obligation. And I'm afraid that we've missed out on the fact that uh, God intends for our faith to grow. Okay? Now, I want to introduce something to you. I want to say something to you tonight, see if you're tracking with me. And that, that statement or those, that phrase is assurance of salvation. Do you know what I mean when I say the assurance of your salvation? Now, let me make this statement, all right? The assurance of your salvation and your salvation are two different things. Anybody with me? So, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you can be saved and not assured of it. You can be born again and not be assured of it. Now, let me say this. Uh, apart from being saved, one of the greatest blessings is the assurance of your salvation. To know that you know that you know that you know uh, is a wonderful blessing. You can't buy that at Walmart. You can't find it in the bottom of a bottle. You can't find it in relationship with another human being. Uh, you, it just is impossible. But when you have it, listen to me. When you have it, nothing on earth compares to it, and it is, in fact, priceless. If you know what I'm talking about, say amen. Priceless. So the assurance of our salvation. Now, John said this, 
I write these things to you that you might know that you have eternal life. All right? Now, let me ask you a question. If I wrote you a letter, and in that letter I gave you some knowledge of something that you before did not know, and I addressed the letter, Luke Thompson, sent it in the mail, got to your house, and you saw your name on it, Luke, there was some information you didn't know, and you left it on the counter, never opened it up, would you have the assurance of the knowledge that I put in that letter that you received? Absolutely not, because you didn't read it. Uh Uh-oh, we're starting to build a little case here. So now let's look into the text, and let me help kind of flesh that out as we look at it, all right? So put your eyes back on verse number five, and I want to share with you, first of all, Roman number one in your notes, write this down. We are, listen to me, we are responsible to add to our faith. Where'd you get that, preacher? I read it straight from the text. Now, let me be careful as you're filling in the outline, because I need to be clear here tonight. We are responsible to add to our faith. I didn't say we are responsible to create our faith, is anybody in here tonight? Y'all, boy, y'all are being so quiet. Uh, I, I, I'm, we are, I didn't say that we are responsible to uh, fulfill our faith. Uh, y'all, anybody with me? Uh, that's the sovereignty of God. That's what God did through Jesus. That's what Jesus Christ accomplished in his death and resurrection. But I am responsible to add to, to supplement. Some of your translations out there, you're reading it says supplement your faith. And so what it means to that is to grow. It means to add these things that that cause you to be stronger in your faith, all right? So let's look at some of those together. There are a list of about, there are about eight things we're going to look at here. And the first one that he says to them in verse number five, y'all reading with me? But also for this very reason, for what reason? What's the reason? The reason that the precious promises of God that he's going to send a Messiah that the Messiah's death was going to pay the penalty of sin, that God was going to provide salvation for mankind, that Jew and Gentile, all kind of promises that Jesus fulfilled, was going to provide for us everything we need for eternal life, zoe, right, life and godliness. Because of that, that's the motivation, that's the reason. This is what we're responding to. Y'all with me so I can move on? All right, so we're tracking on out of there, and he says, uh, for this very reason, giving all, here's the word, diligence. Now, this word diligence means eager effort in the original language. Eager effort. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute now. I thought you said I'm just supposed to draw near. Uh, Notice that when I say draw near, draw near doesn't mean like take a pencil and draw something. It means to, to come close to, okay? Now, you understand the phrase draw near is, in fact, an action. You with me? Y'all tracking with me? To draw, to come close requires me to, if, if uh, I'm walking over to, to John and John's over there and I'm sitting over here, for me to draw near to John, I have to do what? First, stand up. Uh, then I, first, I have to make my mind up that I want to go to where John is. Anybody, anybody in the house? And then I have to stand up. And then I have to take some steps in John's direction, okay? Y'all, sorry, I'm not going to come off of this thing. And, and I've got to go, to, in order for me to, so I, I, I'm afraid that when you, people hear me say, draw near over and over, they just sort of get this mindset that that means lay on the couch, you know, and, and pray every once in a while. And it's all going to happen. No, uh, there's some energy and effort expounded in the drawing near. Is anybody seeing a conclusion coming together? So he says, uh, these things that you're going you're gonna to focus on, you're going you're gonna to find in your relationship with him, you're going to have to put some eager energy into him. You've got you've to have a desire because of how good God's been, not, not to earn it, not to buy your salvation, not to make yourself saved, but because of it, right? It motivates me to want to get up and spend some time in the Word uh, because the Word has the power to transform me. It motivates me to get up and pray uh, because I know prayer changes me. It motivates me to ask people to pray for me if I'm struggling with something. It, it motivates me to have some brothers in my life to hold me accountable because that helps produce these things in me. Is anybody uh, with me tonight? You see what he's t- you see where he's going? You, you, there's going to be some of us got to get up off the couch, man, and start working this relationship relationship. How in heaven's name can we expect to experience the assurance of our salvation and the power thereof when all we do is sort of just come to church? And we don't spend any time in the scripture. We don't even spend any time in studying and the background and what the word is teaching us and what it's saying. And I'm telling you that we're missing out on the blessed assurance of our salvation and all that comes with it. And so I just want to encourage you, it's time for some of us to begin to work that relationship, man. Spend some time there. Uh, I talk about this all the time. How many of you believe or understand that it requires effort, eager effort, to surrender yourself minute by minute to the Lordship of Christ? Absolutely it does. Decision by decision, conversation by conversation. Uh, It's a constant energy and effort to say, Lord, here I am surrendered. Help me, help me, help me. 
And it's when we put it into cruise control. Anybody know what I'm saying when I put it in cruise control? When I don't seek the Lord's counsel, when I just do whatever makes sense to me, uh, that I find myself wondering if I was even ever saved. You ever been there? You ever just had these thoughts hit you? You know, I wonder if I'm really saved or not. Or you do something and you scratch your head and say, man, I don't know if I'm saved or not. And so here's, that's what he's talking about. So we're responsible to add to our faith. Number one, we said diligence is what? Help me. Eager effort, all right? So eager effort. What am I going to spend time doing, right? Trying harder uh, to not be unkind. No. I'm going to spend eager effort in, I wrote some things there in your parentheses. Do you see them? Uh, Time in the Word. Time in meditation. Here's my question. When's the last time you put some effort into meditating on what the Word of God says? You cut the music off. You cut, you cut outside distractions off. You go into a place where nobody's talking and nothing's going on, and you're just rolling over in your mind over and over what that verse, what you found out that verse said and how it's speaking to your heart, and you're just considering it and thinking about it. And then when you call your buddy, instead of talking about the weather and all that temporary nonsense, you say, let me tell you about the verse that really is on my heart today. And you're, and you're talking through it. You're meditating. Is it? Do you, do, you, do you see where we really have gotten a little bit lazy in our relationship with the Lord? And I want to remind you today, he's not, he's not sitting up there mad, you know, with a lightning bolt to strike us down. Thank God. Um, but we are, we are suffering because of it. Can I say that to you again? We are suffering. We are a little bit anemic in our uh, relationship because of it. So diligence is eager effort. Uh, look at some other things. Fasting. When's the last time you fasted in your faith? Somebody said, well, I did without vegetables. That's, that's, Daniel wasn't fasting. Daniel was proving that whatever he ate, God was going to provide for him, and he was going to be just as strong as those who were eating everything. A fast, biblically, is always from food. Everywhere you'll find it in the Word of God. And so do you need to cut, cut, cut back on Facebook? That's wonderful. Do that. But if you're going to fast, it's a fast from food. So, so what kind of eager effort are you putting into fasting every once in a while? Where you're doing without food, a meal, uh, uh, two meals a day, two days. I don't know. It's a, not a, you understand it's not a prescription. It's not a mandated thing, but it is expected in our faith. So I'm telling you, we've gotten lazy. It's amazing to me how many people, when I burp shots, I'm like, man, tell me about the last time you fasted. I, well, I just never have. And uh, I'm like, man, you are missing out. Because fasting is not about bending the will of God. Fasting is about getting into the will of God and finding ourselves in humility and just spending time instead of eating on uh, physical food, feeding on the Word of God. And Oh, listen, you you understand this relationship thing. There's some work required, and there's some responsibility on our end. So meditation, fasting, prayer, right, praying. And uh, I asked somebody the other day, I said, when's the last time you prayed for a solid hour? Try that sometime. Just pray for a solid hour. Pray for two. Pray for two and a half hours. Just, just you, somebody say, I can never do that. Exactly, and that's the problem. We're so busy with all kinds of nonsense that we wonder why we don't see the miracles of God in our lives and the lives of our family members and the power of God on how we walk and talk and, and live. Oh, listen, so, so you, listen, I'm, I'm trying to hurry. I really am. How, how, here's another one. Uh, it takes eager effort to, to, to gather as the people of God. Hey, is there ever a time like on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night where you don't want to be here? Well, I wonder who y'all were going to be honest with me. I love that right there. Some of y'all like, And some of y'all wouldn't even look at each other because you know what you said last Sunday night when you didn't want to come. Right? You're like, don't look at me and I want to look at you. And there are times in our flesh, man, when we don't want to be here. We got to, there are a million other things we, we, we could be doing right now. Um, but it is when we understand that there is some eager, zealous, diligent. Diligence means I got to put some effort forward. And a lot of effort for him. Sometimes I just had to get up and say, you know what? You know you need to be there. Go, man, go. The teaching of the Word is going to be there. The, the people of God are going to be there. I need to go. And so I don't forsake or scripturally I don't abandon the gathering, Hebrews 10, 25. I'm trying to move on. We're just on number one, so we're going to have to go. Number two, number two, virtue. So he says uh, in verse number five, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, eager effort, not sitting on the couch, But drawing near requires effort, all right? Add to your faith, because you can't produce faith, you can't uh, purchase faith, you you understand all of that was him, but but to supplement that, you're to add to that virtue. Now, the word virtue, do you see that in your your outline there? It means, means, it's a word that means moral excellence. 
And so it means that when people look at you, they see, I'm going to just say it this way, if I could make it just as simple as I possibly could, learning and applying what God says is right. How do I know what moral excellence is? Do I look to culture? You better not. You'll be dressing like a cat, and they'll put a cat litter box in your school. Now, listen, that's not a funny thing. That's a sad thing. That breaks my heart, man, that people are so confused. They don't know their identity and who they were made in the image of. It crushes my spirit to know that there are young children whose parents are allowing and and schools are propagating such nonsense as to help people miss out on what they were made in the image of Almighty God. And so because of that, you better not let culture tell you what morally excellent is because here's what it'll say. You'll look at Jim or Joe or Sarah, and you'll say, well, I'm better than they are. And that's not the call. That's condemning kind of judgmental spirit. The Word of God says, I'm going to look to His Word to find out what God says is right, and then I'm going to apply it, all right, by the power of the Spirit. So uh, virtue, moral excellence. Number, number three in the list, he says, add to uh, virtue, add to that knowledge. Again, another root of the word gnosko, all right? Now here, he doesn't, he doesn't assign the, ter- the terminology to specifically God, so most believe in the context of this list, it is, a, it is a knowing what is right, knowing God, and as you get to know him, you know what is right, what he expects. Uh, oftentimes in this life, if we spend time meditating and praying, and we're eager and our, we're, we're diligent in our relationship, we're fasting and praying and spending time meditating the word, and we're cur- surrounding ourselves by people who love God and want to live for him, and then what happens is all of a sudden uh, when things happen, immediately we, we already know what was the little bracelet, what would Jesus do? We just we know because we've been diligent in our relationship with him. You ever spend some t- much so much time with somebody that usually you can answer a question for them the way they would answer it? You ever do that? Usually maybe it's your spouse after several years of marriage, or maybe your parents. I can hear my mom and dad answer. They answer certain questions certain ways my whole life, and I could hear them say it sometimes. My grandparents, any of you know some ways your grandparents would answer certain questions, and you can just almost, why? Because you spent time eagerly, couldn't wait to get to grandparents' house, couldn't wait to hang out with Pop, couldn't wait. You with me? That's what he's, eager, eagerness in this relationship. Can't wait to hang out with God. Can't wait to get in his word and find out. Can't wait to see what his power is in my life, how it transforms me. So knowledge, so by, and in your, note, in your uh, um, blank there, put the word experience. Knowledge by experience. It's a relationship by experience, God and his ways. Number four, to add to knowledge, he says that we add the word, or the, excuse me, the quality, y'all help me, self-control, which means, and we've been talking about this a lot because he talked about it, remember, in First Peter. And so we learned that self-control is really self-under control right? Uh, Self under control. Or another way of saying it would be controlled by the Spirit and not self out of control, which is self controlled by self. (laughs) How many of you know that when you're self controlled, you, boy, you can get out of control. You you lose control. We overindulge. We blow our temper. We do all kinds of stuff. And so he says, add to your experiential knowledge of God and his ways, add to that self-control. Self under control. I'm going to have to put some energy and effort getting to know God, spending time with Him so that He produces in me uh, myself under control. Do you know when you wake up in the morning, you get to choose whether or not you will exert effort and energy into your relationship by spending time with Him and submitting yourself to Him so that He can produce the fruit of self control? If you don't, you'll stop the production of the fruit of self-control. Y'all tracking with me now how he's saying this about our part versus his part? In other words, I'm not saying to you, Peter's not saying that we then have the power to sit at our desk and work hard, try hard to have self under control. No, he's saying that I have the ability to try hard to meet with him and get to know God's ways and meditate on his ways and have other people home account and see that happen in my life. Is anybody tracking with me? And some of y'all are like, man, this is making sense now. Isn't it wonderful how the Word of God can come together and begin to really make sense as we read through it? Okay. Now, uh, to add to self-control, uh, perseverance. And that means never quitting. Never quitting. Here's, here's a moment of honesty. Have you ever felt like quitting? You ever felt like quitting on the Lord? Oh, boy. We were like, you ever felt like quitting? Yes. You ever felt like quitting on the Lord? Eh. Maybe I should phrase it this way. You ever feel like quitting doing the right thing? And you, get t- you get tired of doing the right thing, and it seems like the wicked are prospering, and, you know, it just sort of wears down. Psalm 73, you know, you see the prosperity of the wicked, and don't, you just, it just scratches your head. 
And yet what he's saying is perseverance. And by the way, perseverance is part of the proof that we are saved. The perseverance of the saints. It's the Spirit of God in me that nudges me on, that nudges me on. Do you know anybody that has quit on the Lord? You know anybody who's turned their back on him and turned back to the vomit, turned back to the old way of living, turned back to selfish living? So perseverance. Add to perseverance godliness. And again, we've looked at that just recently in in 1 Peter. Godliness, a life lived, simply meant a life lived God's way. A life lived God's way. That's interesting, isn't it? So a godly life, adding to godliness. Here's the word. Remember we learned that from uh, Peter's encounter with Jesus. Remember the Greek word for that kind of love? Anybody remember? Phileo. And you actually, if you look at that, it's actually the word that is there, uh, phileo. And so he's saying that we ought to have that for each other. We ought to develop that in our relationship with God as we're spending time in his word and surrendering to his will and surrounding ourselves by people who love God and want to live for him. Uh, We ought to be focused in on loving each other like family. Loving each other like family. And then to brotherly love, he says, you're reading with me? I'm in verse number seven, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, here's the word, love. Isn't it interesting that Peter's the author of this letter? Because he says Philadelphia, uh, phileo, but do you know what the last word for love is? Take a guess. It's from that conversation with him and Jesus. Yeah, agape, agapeo. It's the, it is the very top rung of the ladder. It is the godlike love. And so he's saying that all of these things are part of who we are, and we've got to be diligent to pursue God, to produce these fruits in us. Love without expectation or end. Love without expectation or end. Now, we're moving on to Roman numeral two. Y'all ready? Everybody okay? Am I moving too fast for anybody? No, everybody, anybody learned something already? Yes, all right. So, uh, aren't you? It is interesting that he doesn't say draw near means uh, just go to church and sit on the couch and pray every once in a while. No, uh, this relationship's got to be worked, man. You, you and I have got to be eager and zealous to to develop uh, a relationship that God produces these things in us. Roman numeral two: If our faith is growing, we are not useless or unfruitful. Useless or unfruitful. Now, I want to ask you a question while you're writing. Useless or unfruitful? Who is Peter writing this letter to? Believers or non-believers? Believers. And so here's what, here's what grieves my heart when I read this. You ready? Here's what grieves my heart. It means that a believer, you and I, who, whoever in here have been born again, have the capacity to live a useless life even when we're saved. That, that I'm telling you what now, when that hits you, man, it's like a, a shot to the heart, isn't it? Uh, it gre- and it may be not to you, and you, you may not love the Lord that way, and you may not really consider how much he paid for you, and you may not, that may not roll around your mind. You may just be thinking about work tomorrow, but for me, like I know what I've done and where I've been, and I know the price that was paid to purchase me and redeem me and how far he's brought me, and to know that I have the capacity that it's possible for me to live a useless life, an unfruitful life, that grieves my heart, man. That, that makes me want to say, okay, please, please, teach me, teach me, because I don't, I don't want that to be the end of the, I don't want to be the wood, hay, and stubble guy. Did you know that Paul told in 1 Corinthians that there's a time, the beam of seat judgment for the believer, that when we face him, our, our, our works will face what I'm going to call the holy blowtorch of God. And those certain uh, works of our life are going to be precious stones and, and precious uh, uh, gold and silver, and those works are going to glorify God. But, they, but he says that many of us, our works will be wood, hay, and stubble. You know what happens when wood, hay, and stubble faces a very hot fire? They burn up. And so, in essence, here's another teaching of the same thing. Uh, and did you know, here's the interesting thing now. Here's the interesting thing. Um, can't, I want to ask you, don't answer out loud because I, I want you to feel silly. But here's the question. Uh, based on that, in First Corinthians, when, when Paul says, wood, hay, and stubble, they burn up, uh, do you know the passage? Are you familiar with it? And uh, do you remember if they get into heaven or not? Yes. He says they are saved as though through fire. I call it the smoking section. So then, somebody in here says, hallelujah, I'm going to keep living for wood, hay, and stubble. Chances are you've not been born again. How could you cheapen the grace of God and the cost that was paid for you in such a way as to say, well, hey, as long as I get there. I heard somebody say this one time, as long as I get there, I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care about rewards. I just want to get there. You've missed it. You've missed it. As a thank you for what he's done, we ought to desire 
there to be a very useful life, a very fruitful life. By the way, that is the will of the Lord Jesus Christ according to John chapter 15, that we would bear not just a little fruit, but we would bear, somebody, anybody know what the word says? That we would bear much fruit, much fruit, okay? So, picking up with verse number 8, if our faith is growing, we are not useless or unfruitful. You're looking at verse 8, for if these things are yours, the list of things that we just mentioned there, and they abound so that you don't just have a little bit of them, but they are ever-increasing, There's ever excess of brotherly love and godliness and self-control. If you have these things and they are always in excess and they're growing, he never intended your salvation to be a one-time thing and you to stay there. It's always his desire for this relationship to grow, your faith to grow. If these things are yours and they are abound or growing, uh, you will be neither useless nor, help me somebody, unfruitful in the knowledge. If you know who he is, if you know what he's done, if you know how holy he is, if you know all that he sacrificed, if you know what he went through, if you know what he accomplished on Calvary, if you know about the resurrection day, if you know about the coming of the Holy Ghost because of Jesus, if you know that and you experience that daily in a relationship, then how in heaven's name could you ever be satisfied with a, with a useless, unfruitful life? And so, man, may it never be said of me and you that we're in a smoking state. We got to heaven, but boy, we had nothing to show for it. And so he says, our faith is growing. We are neither useless or unfruitful. Let me move on to Roman numeral three. All right, y'all ready? Roman numeral three, the assurance of our faith is directly connected to growth. The assurance. Remember I told you our salvation and our assurance are two different things. Uh, Did you know that in the armor of God... When he speaks about the helmet of salvation, he's not talking about going in your, in your closet and putting a helmet on your head. Uh, the helmet protects what vital organ of the body? Anybody know? The brain. And the brain is the center of thought life. And thought life is where assurance is found or not found. I wish somebody would pick up what I'm putting down. The helmet of your salvation is assurance. It protects your mind from the enemy's attack convincing you against the promises of God, the character of God. And I want you to understand that we don't just go in the closet and pray, God, put on me the helmet of salvation. No, I'm spending time with you, King Jesus, that as I spend time with you and I'm asking you to add to me and I'm spending time in relationship, I'm gathering with the people of God, I'm praying, meditating, fasting, I'm working out this salvation, I'm spending time working this relationship, then, God, I'm trusting you're producing those things in me. Somebody picking up what I'm putting down tonight? Hallelujah, it's good news, y'all. It is really good news because there's potential in me and you for growth. We're not there yet, and we don't want to be useless or unfruitful, but the assurance of our salvation is connected to growth. Look at verses 9 and 10. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted. Short-sighted. You can't see past where? Right here. Short-sighted. Even so much that you're blind. Now, can you imagine walking down the pathway, and the pathway, let's say that this is the pathway of life. Now, nothing against that pathway over there. I'm just going with this one right now, okay? And this is the pathway of life, and this pathway, we put all of us in line up here, and we blindfold us, and we, we get barefooted, and we scatter out Legos across there from, from front to back. See, some of y'all, boy, some of y'all must have touched one of them this week. Well, y'all just hollered. Somebody said, oh, mm, you got a sore right now. Isn't that, doesn't that change your life when you step on one of those? It's life-changing, man. And you imagine it's full of that. You're barefooted, and you're, you're here on the beginning of the journey, right? And he's gonna, we're going to just uh, set you out uh, short-sighted. You can't see past right here. And you're going to walk or, or so much that you're blinded. And so you're going to now walk out across. There. Isn't that, that's, that's a fun way to live life, isn't it? But what if I said... If I'm working this relationship, we'll take the blindfold off. If you're spending time with him, if you're getting to know him, if you're asking God and focusing on, Lord, I want to have these qualities. I want to be godly. I want to <clears throat> have brotherly kindness. I, I want to have the love of God in my heart. Oh, Lord, help me. And when I'm making decisions, when I'm weighing, by the way, salvation is expressed in a, a lot of different momentary decisions. I get to choose whether I'm going to be selfish or selfless. And as I'm in that moment, I'm weighing them, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit, come on, that's what he's talking about. That's living a life where the guide is saying, now, put your foot there. Put your foot there. Matter of fact, here's a broom. Sweep that over to the side and walk this way. Uh, I don't know about you, but it doesn't take a whole lot of rocket science to figure out, I don't want to live a life blindly. 
Because there's a lot more painful traps out there set by the enemy than stepping on a Lego. Uh, and I'm telling you, you and I, we fall to them way too often. Way too, and I didn't say you, I said we. We fall to them way too often. So uh, this assurance of our salvation, listen to what he says, verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Oh, wait a minute. What's he talking about? Forgotten he was cleansed. What does that mean? It means then that I wonder if I'm saved or not. I forgot about what it was like when the Spirit of God convicted me. I forgot what it meant when I traded in my guilt and shame and received from Him forgiveness. I, I've forgotten that when I traded that in, what I received was purpose and a mission. And I don't just go to church, but I'm making disciples. And I've forgotten all of that, and I live like I've forgotten all that. And I wonder tonight if, you've, if you're living like you've forgotten some of that. And I wonder if tonight, by the power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God, that he would transform the way you and I are thinking and living and that we would begin to say, you know what, I remember now. That's exactly what happened the day I got saved. And that's what it's supposed to look like today and tomorrow and the next day. As long as God gives me here on earth. So uh, let me move on into verse number 10. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. Oh, there's that word again. So first he said, be, you, you remember back in verse number 5? Giving all diligence. But now he comes back and adds to that. Y'all reading with me? In verse 10, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Add to it. Press in. Work the relationship. Spend time. Meditate. Pray fast. Spend time in relationship. Make disciples. Follow in obedience what Jesus said to do. For if you do these things, you reading? You will never stumble. Do you know that word never stumble does not mean that you'll never commit sin? It's not the word used for committing sin. What's he talking about? Remember the context of what we're, we're just talking about, the assurance of our salvation. And it's connected to growing. If I have these things, if I'm growing, if I'm growing, I will not forget. If I'm not growing, I will forget. If I'm not, excuse me, if I am growing, I will not forget. Are y'all tracking with me? I've said that about seven times. I need to move on. If, so if I'm growing, I will not forget. Meaning, if I'm growing, I'll never stumble with, am I saved, am I not saved? If, let me tell you something. You'll never find somebody doubting their salvation if they're spending time working their relationship with fervency and eagerness through meditation of the Scripture and time spent studying and praying with other believers and gathering with the saints. And you, you'll, It'll never happen. It'll never happen. Matter of fact, let me say to you this. Uh, I can't see ever a case when that's also, and I'm, I'm just sort of make some application here because uh, you've heard me say before that the fall in our life doesn't happen when I'm right here with Jesus and me. It doesn't happen right here. It happens when I drift over here. It happens when I'm lazy in my relationship. It happens when I have nobody around me for accountability. I don't gather with the church. I just come. I don't, I don't plug into a small group. I, I don't find all the wonderful benefits of the church and the teaching and the opportunities. And so I drift in my own relationship. And what happens? Over here, I fall. But it doesn't happen right here. If you and I could just get that, we would wake up and say, I'm eager. I don't want to have, I don't want to commit adultery. I don't, I don't want to do the things that I don't want to do the things that tear things up. I want to stay eager. And some of us, I'm telling you, because it's busy and it's summertime and all that nonsense, we've gotten a little bit lazy. And I'm speaking to somebody out there and somebody who's listening to this podcast very soon. You've gotten lazy. And it shows. And it's showing. And you're doubting if you ever, you know, knew the Lord, if you ever really walked close with him. And what you doubt why you ever wanted to do that. And man, I'm telling you, life's gotten hard and difficult. And what he's saying to us is come on back and work, invest in the relationship and experience the assurance that comes with growing. By the way, I'm telling you something. It is the, one of the most amazing benefits in my life knowing for certain that if I died right now, I know exactly where I'd be. A number of years ago when I got a viral meningitis, when they didn't know exactly what it was yet, the doctor, he had been a little bit of a smart aleck, and he went to leave the room and he said, well, you may have three days to live. And I said, well, good news is I went either way. And he stopped the door and looked back over his shoulder at me. And he said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I said, nothing, man. I'm, I mean it. I said, I'm not worried about whatever happens next. I'm, I'm, I win, man. I'm, he said, you're sure of that? I said, I'm absolutely sure of that. Eager, and, and not because of something I did, but, but working the relationship, spending time with him has thoroughly put on a helmet of salvation for me. And the enemy can't treat and work on my mind on the area of my salvation because I'm staying close to Jesus, but I know this, if I drift, if I drift, I'll be a sitting duck. And some of you, y'all know what I'm talking about? If you drift, you'll be a sitting duck. Okay, here we go, number four. Can y'all believe we've got number four already? 
Somebody said, well, good, yeah, it's, it's tomorrow already. And, and you ain't looked at your watch because we're doing good. We're doing really good right now. All right, number four, uh, have you learned some stuff? Hallelujah. Listen, listen to this right here. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 11. Somebody's like, can we just get to this last one? Because I really want to know what this means. All right, here we go. Write this in your notes. There remains a great reward for the faithful. There remains a great reward for the faithful. <clears throat> now, all of these are evidences of an authentic, growing relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son empowered by the Holy Ghost. Y'all tracking with me? Does that make sense to you? Yes, that's what he's talking about. He says, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Someone asked the question, does that mean if I do those things, then that's going to be my door? No, no, no. Remember, Scripture is the best interpretation, interpreter of Scripture. Does that make sense? Have I ever said that to you before? Scripture is the best interpreter. So what do you mean? Well, we just had a message about our entrance. It was, uh, it was, there was one word that talked about the entrance. It was Jesus referred to himself as a, oh, some of y'all remember. Not a door, but the door. So he's my, he's my way in. But what he's saying here is that if I live this life, if, if this, is the, there is, this is the evidence that I, in fact, have been supplied in the promise. Remember, we're, we're flowing from verses 3 and 4 where the promises of God have provided for me Everything I need for godliness, for zoe, that's eternal life, and godliness. Do you remember that? So remember, context is king. You have to flow from verses 3, 4 into 5 through 11. Are you all tracking with me? So Jesus is my interest, but the evidence of believing that faith are those things. And the scripture literally says, I saw in one particular place in one of the Greek word studies that it's a, it's a rich entrance. So imagine when you show up on that golden shore, there's going to be a rich entrance provided. And the evidence is you work in that relationship. It's evident that Jesus is yours and you are his. And it was expressed in an authentic relationship of you pursuing him and persevering and adding to and not just being satisfied to say I'm saved, but truly work in that relationship that you would experience the wonderful blessing of assurance. You know the song we used to sing, Blessed Assurance? Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste. Somebody help me. Glory divine, glory to God in the highest. So let me just conclude by reading verse 11 again. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My question for you tonight is what are we responsible for because of God's amazing grace? Followers of Christ have responsibility to grow, help me somebody, to what? Grow in the faith to grow in the faith, all right? Now, what I want to do is invite you to bow with me for just a moment, okay? Heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. And as you're doing that, as quickly as you can, and I want the lights to be just a little bit up out there so that I can see a little bit out into the, into the crowd, I want to ask the crowd with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you say you learned something tonight that you needed to hear? Raise your hand up if you learned something. God brought you all the way out here. Look at that, boy, hands all over this place. Aren't you glad he brought you out here? And I pray you'd share this message with somebody. I pray that you would, whether it be through the podcast or whether it be through Facebook, but you would share this with some, because there are a lot of believers out there that are missing out on the assurance of salvation and the wonderful benefits that come with that. Have you ever been there? You ever been in a place where you doubted whether you were really born again? Maybe you're here tonight and you, you, you waver with it. You don't talk to anybody about it, but you waver with it all the time. You just wonder, am I saved? Am I saved? And I want to just challenge you tonight by doing this. Would you just begin to do what, exactly what you heard tonight? Just begin to do what you heard Jesus say do in your heart through what was preached through Peter tonight. Okay? And I'm praying that God puts that. Listen, now God's going to put the helmet of salvation on to protect your mind from the onslaught. When you diligently invest and work the relationship. So with heads bowed and eyes closed. Turn the lights down for me just a little bit. I want to say the altar's open. There's some that have already come. Maybe you just want to come tonight and spend some time there with him. Matter of fact, would you stand to your feet with me tonight just in case you want to come down and maybe just spend some time praying. Somebody needs to come down tonight. Some I don't know who you are, but somebody needs to come tonight and just confess to God, not to me, but confess to God, God, I've been lazy in this relationship. I've been lazy. I've had it on cruise control. I've not been investing. I've not been seeking. I've not been adding to my faith. But God, tonight I want to. I want you to help me. 
I'm asking you to touch my heart tonight and touch my mind and touch my, somebody needs to ask God to touch their schedule and so that you would be willing to change your schedule up a little bit so that you could invest in that relationship with the king. No more important decision would you ever make than to make more time for Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight, you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. Can I tell you? He stands ready, willing, and able to save you, to forgive your sins, to give you purpose, to bring you into the family of God. Jesus can do that for you tonight, but he's a gentleman. He won't kick in the door of your heart. He'll simply say, come. You see it in the Scripture over and over. Come. Come to me. Come. Maybe tonight God's saying to you, come. Come to me. I want to show you forgiveness. I want to heal your hurt. I want to bring you to a place of forgiveness. I want to deliver you from the sin that so easily ensnares you. I want to show you a life worth living. I want to give you a purpose to get up in the morning and to do what you do. You'll have to wave the white flag of surrender. By faith, you'll have to say, Lord, I don't want to be the boss of me anymore. Turning my life over to you, Jesus. Come be Lord of my life. Receive him. The scripture says you must receive him. Come into my life and be Lord of all. And he'll save you. Now, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And if that's you, I pray you do it right now. In just a moment, I'm going to be down front. And if that's you, I encourage you to come and just say, Hey, tonight I made Jesus Lord of my life. If you're listening online right now, I encourage you, if you would, right now in this moment, just put it in the comments there. Tonight I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Or tonight I'm coming home. Maybe somebody needs to come down to the front tonight and say, Tonight I'm coming home. I've been lazy in my relationship and I'm returning. I've been just sort of holding back on Jesus. I've been just sort of meeting with him here and there. But I'm no longer going to be lazy in my relationship. I'm going to really eagerly invest in this relationship that Jesus bought for me. So, Father, I pray simply this tonight. Have your way. Have your way, God. Thank you for what you have taught us tonight. Thank you for what you've showed us tonight. God, I pray that it would come to fruition, that the enemy wouldn't steal away the seed, that our heart would be fertile ground, that our our ears would be attentive to your Spirit's voice, that whatever you say do right now, we would do it, whatever it is. In Jesus' name, amen.